This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Will new call-blocking technology that went live last week protect us from annoying and dangerous scam calls? And if not, what should we do? Tech expert Carmi Levy has tips. And are your finances in order for the new year? We'll go through the checklist with Mark Halpern of WealthInsurance.com. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. In a bid to show progress on cutting the cost of prescription drugs, the Trump administration is moving forward with plans to allow drug imports from Canada and other foreign countries. The FDA is proposing a rule to allow states to import their own medications from Canada. This, as major legislation to lower costs for seniors, has gotten bogged down in the U.S. Congress. Canadian officials say our country's drug market is too small to have any real impact on U.S. prices. Still in the U.S., according to a new AARP poll, the path to victory for candidates in the 2020 elections will run through women aged 50 and older. It finds that 95% of older women plan to vote in November, and these voters are engaged, motivated, and plan to closely scrutinize the candidates' positions on key issues like health care and the economy. Meanwhile, 7 in 10 are still undecided. A Milan court has acquitted a right-to-die activist of aiding suicide following a landmark constitutional ruling which breached Italy's traditional rejection of assisted dying. Marco Capata was on trial for accompanying a 40-year-old blind and tetraplegic Italian former disc jockey known as DJ Fabo to take his own life at a Swiss clinic in 2017. This used to be a crime, but the Constitutional Court ruled in September that it was not always a crime to help someone with intolerable suffering, opening the way to the verdict clearing Capato. Are you interested in the arts? If you're a senior who loves to go to the theater or take in the latest art exhibit, it might do more than entertain you. According to new research, it could lengthen your life. Researchers followed 6,700 older adults and found patrons of the arts had a substantially better survival rate over 14 years. Those who spent time on cultural activities at least every few months were 31% less likely to die during the study period versus those who never did. French fashion designer Emmanuel Ungaro, who was known for his use of bold colors and prints, 
has died at the age of 86. He was the son of Italian immigrants and trained under Spanish designer Cristobal Balenciaga. He founded his fashion house in 1965 and described himself as a sensual obsessive. He retired and sold the brand in 2005, but went on to criticize the fashion house when U.S. actress Lindsay Lohan was briefly hired as an artistic director. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Have you had any scam calls lately? For many of us, it's a daily occurrence. Regulators are promising that we'll see a dramatic reduction because of a new requirement for call-blocking technology that just took effect. Will it work? And how can you protect yourself? I chatted with tech expert Carmi Levy. I wish I could say that this is the solution, the magic bullet, the panacea that will stop Canadians from receiving these uh, fraudulent, uh, annoying, and in some cases dangerous calls. But uh, we've played this game before. We've bought this T-shirt. Uh, if that is not the case, it's, it's yet another step along the way. It's a good thing to have. But if you think that those calls are going to magically stop simply because the CRTC now requires telecommunications companies have new technology in place that uh, makes it harder for spoof numbers to get through on the network. Uh, No, um, it's going to cut it down somewhat. It'll affect, positively affect certain types of calls, but it's not going to stop the problem in its tracks. Additional steps are needed, and I would caution us into thinking that we'll ever actually be there. Uh, This isn't one of those cases where we will be there. It's going to be a never-ending process. So let's look at what this technology is supposed to do. It's supposed to block numbers greater than 15 digits. What does that signify? What numbers are greater than 15 digits? These are calls that often originate from outside of the country, international calls, um, overseas calls. And they'll show up on your caller ID on the display screen or call display screen. And uh, it's pretty apparent this is not a standard 10-digit number that... Uh, you would see from, say, your friend in an adjacent city or someone who's calling from across the street. This is clearly an international call from some other network, usually originating from some call center in, uh, in, in, in a country that, of course, our laws do not apply in, uh, which, of course, makes it easy for them to reach around the world or across the ocean uh, and place a call because they know they simply cannot be traced, cannot be prosecuted. Um, another sort of trick that they use is it, they'll use it from a, a number that uh, is spoofed. So either it will have like zero, 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 ten zeros in a row, or it's a number that is faked. It looks like a real number. It's kind of familiar. It does have a 10-digit a profile. Um, it might even come from your area code, or they might have gotten it from uh, a stolen list, and it might look like it's coming from you or from a friend of yours. So, of course, you pick it up. Or from the Canada Revenue Agency. Yeah. Exactly. Canada Revenue Agency, Marriott Hotels, WestJet. I mean, I, we can name these spoof companies all along whose brands are being dragged through the mud, uh, yet they have nothing at all to do with this, and it looks like that. So the technology is designed to, at the network level, before this call even gets to you, they look at it and go, does it fit the profile of a fraudulent call? If the answer is yes, your phone won't even ring because Bell and Rogers uh, and Telus will use a different technology, but the, the impact is the same. Uh, the phone will simply never, the call will simply never make it to your phone. Is that really going to happen? Oh, I, I wish it, I wish that were the case. The problem is it only applies to a relatively small 
subset of the kinds of fraudulent activities that we see on phone-based networks. And so, in fact, there are other uh, technologies and other approaches now that uh, the CRTC, there are additional deadlines that are coming uh, into 2020 and beyond. So there's going to be another technology, another deadline in March to trace the origin of spam calls. In September, to implement what they call caller ID authentication and verification measures. So the CRTC knows this is an, an important first step, but it only catches a small percentage of the phone calls that are coming through to us that shouldn't be coming through. So there are more steps, at least two in 2020 and more beyond, that will hopefully raise the percentage a little bit more uh, and catch more of the calls that we don't want to have happen. But are we ever going to get to 100%? I've seen this game played many times before, and I don't think so. I think we'll get closer to it but never actually there. We're still going to have to deal with these calls for years to come. What are some other tips to avoid this? I've seen you recommend some pretty drastic things. Yeah, I mean, you know, for a lot of people, and we're already seeing this, it's called cord cutting, people getting rid of their landline. Um, It might seem culturally difficult. It's a number that you've probably had for decades, but the truth of the matter is, you know, I still have a landline at home, but I barely use it, and so I'm on the verge of getting rid of it because I don't really need it. All of my messaging is through my cell phone anyway. Um, so that's one, because your landline has been out there. It's been in directories. It's been in use. It's known. Um, you're probably getting more of these calls on your landline than your cell phone, so you almost solve the problem by ditching the line. Um, another one is just in your in your public behavior. So we often tend to share our numbers publicly. We'll post it to social media. That's a huge no-no because these scammers, they scan uh, social media. They scan publicly online accessible sources of information and they harvest these numbers from them and they put them in their databases. So, you know, if you're not sharing it publicly, then they have nowhere that they can get it. Um, you know, another thing that you'll want to do is, um, is engagement. So, for example, when, when the phone does ring and you see a number that you don't recognize, a lot of us answer it. And that's this kind of the first step toward uh, becoming a victim in future. As soon as you answer the call, you confirm to the scammers that your phone number is live. If you simply don't answer it, they'll eventually, they will think that your phone number doesn't exist or that it isn't live or connected. They'll drop you from the database. A lot of us say, well, well I'll just pick up the number and I'll, I'll keep them on the phone for a while. I'll play with them. I might swear at them a couple of times. I'll have some fun. Truth of the matter is, is yes, it does tie them up a little bit, um, but it validates the process. And so you don't want to pick up the phone at all. I know it seems antisocial to not answer the phone in the first place. If it's that important, they'll find other ways to get a hold of you. We have to stop assuming that the phone call is the be-all, end-all way of getting a hold of each other. There are other ways now, now um, and I think it's, it's probably high time that we adapt our behaviors around the use of voice communication to make life harder for these scammers to do what they do. Carmi Levy, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Libby, but I promise if you call me, I will pick it up. Okay. Bye. That was tech expert Carmi Levy. There's one holiday list that isn't about being naughty or nice. Before clinking the New Year's champagne glasses, we should all sign off on a year-end financial checklist to put us in the best position for tax time. I went over it with Mark Halpern of WealthInsurance.com. One of the main things we look at is tax, right? Uh, The year's ending December 31st, there's going to be a tax bill that's going to be due in 2020 in April. Are there ways to reduce that tax bill right now? So there are some strategies. And uh, one of them that I find is very uh, sort of timely is the area of charitable plan giving. If you have some appreciated securities, that's probably the best way, not not giving cash or visas or, or credit cards. But if you have any appreciated securities like a 
a mutual fund or a segregated fund or some stock, if you were to sell those, you'd pay 27% on the gain. But if you donate those to charity, you don't pay any of that tax of 27%, plus you get a full charitable receipt for the full donation amount. So you can now use that donation receipt to go ahead and offset up to 75% of your taxes that are going to be due in April. That's great. Anything else? What else? So there's also something called uh, tax loss selling. These were the dogs where you lost money. So they're in the tank. So one strategy is actually to sell those so that you take a loss and you can apply those losses against any future capital gains indefinitely. Or you can go back three years to use those losses against capital gains that you reported three years back. So what a great way to go ahead and you know, uh, reduce some of your taxes. If you're going to be turning 71 and you have to collapse your RRSPs into a RIF, that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, it's a big stage life cycle event. Turning 71, it means that up until now, you've been getting tax breaks by making contributions and your money's been growing tax-free. And the government set those up in order to help you support your retirement as opposed to them supporting your retirement. The problem is now you have to start taking in income from your RIF. And, you know, it's around 5% and it grows. So, you know, 5% on a million dollars means suddenly you now have $50,000 of full, fully taxed income, you know, that will probably put you in like a 54% tax bracket. So Whether you need it or not. Exactly. That's where charity can come into play as well. But that comes back to doing planning, Libby, as opposed to investing. Like that's, you know, I'm sure that your your investment advisor will talk to you about maturing your RSPs or RIFs, but... The planning part is very, very different. You know, it's not just about investing anymore. It's now about preserving what you've accumulated and and maximizing income from what you've got and also tax efficiency. That tax part is just like sort of it's that black hole that we have to really get clear on because it really does encroach upon a lot of our money. Well, it's interesting. And I mean, the planning part probably does not apply to people who are furiously listening to this right now at the very end of the year. The planning part? Well, now we're planning. There's there's always a good time to plan. So it's not like there's never a good time. There's always a good time. So, you know, January 1st comes forward and we all have these New Year's resolutions. One should be really taking your planning much more seriously. And that's going to, uh, you know, somebody who can do the planning for you, a certified financial planner, a good accountant, somebody who can go ahead and make sure you're not going to run out of money. They're going to let you know what your taxes are now, if God forbid you die or you know, that you can have leftover monies that you're going to be giving over as inheritance to your kids or your grandchildren. And they'll also let you know what your taxes are going to be down the road. So that could be many years from now, but now at least you can do some planning while the sun is shining to make sure that you preserve your estate. Something else that's really important at the end of the year, Libby, is that it's amazing how many people don't have wills. You know, uh, you know the statistics, right? They either... More than 50%. Right. And of those 50%, how many of them are actually up to date? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) You know, I I think in my next career, I'm going to set up a kiosk at Pearson International Airport and say, Will's here, Will's here. Because most people get a will done because they have a trip to Mexico plan and they go, you know, what about our kids? Who's going to be the guardian or whatever? So it really is something that you have to come back to. And the will is really a final expression of how you'd like to see all your assets get dispersed which family members, charities, there's ways for you to, you know, reduce some taxes with certain planning, but it really isn't a do-it-yourself type thing. It does require some professional help. 
And uh, anything else that you have to think about before the end of the year? Um, I would say that uh, also powers of attorney are very important, making sure you have two powers of attorney for personal health care and for, for fi- and for your finances. Um, I think that something that's really important is is just having all of your stuff organized in such a way that somebody knows where all your things are. You know, most of us have all of those digital passwords and things in between our ears. But, you know, if, if something were to happen, does our spouse know where everything is? Where's the key to the safety deposit box, the will? You know, where's the investment papers? And, and that's why I think it's really important people complete an estate directory. We have one actually available at our website at wealthinsurance.com. And it's free and it's a free download. And it's basically like put in where is everything? And then let somebody other than your spouse know where it is at all times. I've seen very sad situations where there's an emotional event that happens. Somebody dies or becomes disabled. And then right away, there's a financial. Where is everything, right? And they have to go find it. It's kind of like forensics. So don't leave your family with that situation. Just do the work. And I tell you, it'll give you tremendous peace of mind knowing that everything is in its right place. Okay. I think that's probably a good note to end on. Thanks so much. My pleasure. That was Mark Halpern of WealthInsurance.com. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.